feel like you'll never bounce back from your divorce? Listen as Pamela Elaine Nichols, divorced mom, author, and speaker, shares how she turned her pain into purpose. Learn how you can apply her life lessons to cope, heal, and thrive despite divorce. This episode will discuss how you can overcome the pain of divorce, what skills you need to regain hope and perspective, and how to create your own divorce resilience plan. This is Sharon Pa's story, and you're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Let's move forward. You're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Join us as we help you navigate your divorce without going broke, relationships in ruin, or ending up in court. You'll get into financial and emotional shape, make sense of the legal process, get strong enough to negotiate for yourself, be a mindful parent, stay amicable with your spouse so you can get a fresh start. Please welcome your host for this episode, Adina Laver, founder of Courage to be Curious and formerly Divorce Essentials. So our conversation is on the topic of being resilient through divorce. And whether you're in the stage of just considering divorce, you're in the midst of it, which can be an overwhelming time for different reasons, or you're on the back end of it and, you know, feeling like, you know, that sigh of relief on one hand and then the, just the challenge or perhaps tightness of where am I now on the other. Um, this call is really designed to support and thinking about how do we stay resilient through the process of divorce and how do we ba- how do we bounce back and create something on the other side. And so we're really excited to have Pamela Elaine Nichols with us, a divorced mom and author and speaker, who's going to share with us um, some information on her journey through this process and really um, her expertise on resilience. She is the mother of four children who, like many mothers, puts the wants and needs of others first and for a long time ignored her own. And as a result, her marriage came to a screeching halt. Determined to bounce back strong from divorce, she created a four-part resilient beauty practice for health and happiness, which she now shares with other mothers. In her new book, Muddy High Heels, 14 Lessons Learned from My Breakdown, Breakup, and Breakthrough, She's written about how to overcome barriers that hold mothers back from their physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial beauty. Pamela is president of her business, Destined for Greatness Enterprises, and she has appeared on several radio and news spots to promote health and well-being for women, including the Dr. Oz Show, where she shared her story of building her business as a healthy way to bounce back from divorce. And if you are a male guest or a dad on the call with us, um, I can guarantee you that the content of this call is also relevant to you, and we'll be sure to make the bridge whenever bridge may be necessary. And we're also really grateful to Pamela, who is giving away a copy of her book, Muddy High Heels, today. So somebody who's registered will get an email from us uh, probably today or tomorrow following the call, letting you know that you'll be getting a copy of her book in the mail. So we're so grateful. And Pamela, now I want to officially welcome you to the call and invite you to say hello. Yay. Hello. Hello. Hello, Adina. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hello to everyone who um, called in and is on the line with us. Thank you. 
And Pam, I'm really looking forward to the conversation, as I said, both because of everything we're going to share as and as an opportunity to really introduce you in this formal way. You've been on calls in the past, but to introduce you in this formal way to the community because next month people are going to have the great opportunity to have you hosting the call. So um, yeah. this, is, this is really a, a good beginning in lots of ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm going to get to be a guest uh, sometime this year, too, so that will be fun for me to be on the other side. Um, But we're really here today to talk about resilience, which is totally an area that you have become passionate about. It's in the title of your company. Um, It was so important to you in your experience that, you know, you incorporated into the title of your company here. And so, you know, I wanted to just even start the call, since you've thought so deeply about this, by inviting you to talk about what resilience even means to you and how your experience of divorce helped you to understand even more deeply what that word means. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I wanted to actually start with a quote because it uh, really spoke to me during my journey. The quote is from Carl Sandburg, and it goes like this. There is an eagle in me that wants to soar, and there is a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. And that quote is uh, one of the opens up one of the lessons in my in, in my book. But it mattered to me because I knew that there had to be light at the end of the tunnel. So I knew that there was an eagle <laughs> in me, but I had no idea what that looked like, what that smelled like, what that tasted like, and so. I thought, well, I have no idea, so let me just sit in the mud uh, and just wallow in it, and woe is me. However, it was only when I had a breakdown in front of my children that I realized if I don't find a way to bounce back, then I'm going to not only destroy their little precious lives, but I will also destroy my own. That's when I started out on this journey of what is resilience? What does it look like? The only, the the very first thing I had to do was find those who were already resilient. And that's when I did a lot of searching, interviewing other women. How did you get through this? What did you do? What was on the other side? Resilience is not a thing that one does. It is actually a way of being, which takes a lot of pressure off of the doing because we have to do a lot around divorce, going through divorce, preparing for it, understanding it, dealing with attorneys, ex-spouses, ex-spouses-to-be. So resilience is a way of being, and it is the ability to bounce back after a setback. It is also defined as the ability to bounce back to an original state. It's the original state part of that definition that intrigues me the most. I'm like, what's what's the original state? I'm not even sure what that is for me or for anyone. I concluded that the original state that one can bounce back to is a state that I call wholeness. 
Wholeness means healed. Healed in mind, body, and spirit. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be healed in my mind, in my physical body, the pain I was in. I wanted to be healed in my finances because I was struggling there as well. I wanted to be healed in my spirit as well. So that's how I defined resilience, how I set out on the path for it. The the beginning, the entrance into the dark tunnel, if you will, headed towards the light at the other end. How about that? (laughs) Mm. Okay, I'll take it. No, I mean, it's really... (laughs) beautiful and when you when you talked about that original state and I'm actually looking so right lesson one in your book you are fearfully and wonderfully made Mm -hmm. you know that idea that there's you know this original state of us and I I know when I think about it too it's like how we were born before life Mm -hmm. started Mm. all the other stuff that piled on on top and maybe obscured some of that wonderful absorbs some of the, you know, courageous absorbed some of the original states that was there and things like that. And so this restoration back to an original state to something that is like purely us to strength that has been there, even if we haven't seen it in a long time or to, you know, the eagle's soaringness that's inside each of us that's there is a really very powerful concept. And I think, you know, at this state where we may not even be able to see traces of it in us to even bring forth in the very beginning as you just did that it's there. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that gave me chills with the way you just framed that, Adina. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we, we, there's a point in our lives that we conclude that we are incomplete and that we've always been incomplete and that there's something broken about us and has to be fixed and we're on this quest to fix it. And my belief from what I've read, from what I've experienced and from the conversations of deep thought leaders around what it means to be fully human is that we are born complete and whole. Then we go through life and all kind of stuff just jumps in and messes up, messes up our thinking and our perception of ourselves and of one another. So thank you for pointing that part that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the way that we were created. And let's go back to that by choice. And resilience is a choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I love. So, you know, and one of the things that, you know, when we put out the information about this call that we talked about was the fact that, you know, during this period when we're considering divorce, we're navigating divorce, we're post, is that our sense of brokenness, our sense of incompleteness, our sense of, you know, feeling uncertain and unsure and all those kinds of things can tend to create stress. It can tend to bring on situational anxiety, can tend to bring on situational depression and things like that. And that um, resilience, as you said, and I want us to talk a little bit more about this, is a way of being that really, if if consciously and intentionally pursued, can help us to find our way through 
those periods which are inevitable of sadness, of anxiety, of depression that may arise. You know, it's almost inevitable that we're going to hit some of those. And that resilience is a way of being, a perspective that can help us, you know, both to see ourselves in those things and to lift ourselves out. So, you know, I wondered if you could share with us a little bit, you know, about how resilience can be, that state of being, can be something that really helps us to move through those states and how it did for you. Yeah. So let me offer eight considerations. And this, these are considerations to cultivate re- resilience. And let me just define cultivate in this respect. Cultivate is to improve by labor, care, or study. Okay, so eight considerations to cultivate resilience through the divorce process, as well as when you're beyond divorce, when you're already perhaps divorced and you're still kind of stuck. So eight of them. So first, be authentic. Be authentic with yourself. Authenticity meaning don't pretend you feel something when you don't. Be honest with yourself. Tell yourself the truth about what you're feeling, what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, what, you're, what you need, no matter how embarrassing, ugly, or destructive. Lies about our hidden feelings are the ones that cripple resilience. So, for example, I remember when I was preparing to move out of the marital home and I was packing my bags. I'm the one that left. And I was packing my bags and I was saying to myself, I don't care. I'm so glad to get out of here. I can't wait till I'm someplace away from this man. He gets on my nerves. When this is all over, things are going to be so much better for me. That's what I was saying, Adina. But authentically, authentically, I was like, I am dying inside. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. I want to stay. I want to make this work. We've got four kids. We have 18 years together. This is not really what I want. Authenticity, that was not on the forefront of my mind. It wasn't what I was practicing. But had I, that whole move out of the marital home would have been a very different experience. So be authentic with yourself to be authentic with others that again don't pretend you feel something when you really don't and it's okay to share your truth with someone else because when you share that truth it frees you the truth will make you free it will free you to fully experience what you're experiencing and then know how to handle it and put that in perspective three This is my favorite, (laughs) because it is so hard, but it is so my favorite. Here it is. Take responsibility for your role in the divorce. Instead of blaming your spouse or your former spouse, your mother-in-law, your sister-in-law, your children, when you take responsibility, it frees you. It frees you to fully experience what bouncing back looks like, feels like, tastes like. It's easy to blame. I think that's the cheapest way to go through life is it's his fault or it's her fault. 
But when you take responsibility for your part, and that doesn't mean you're blaming anyone. You're not even blaming yourself. You're just taking responsibility. Listen, I was the one. I take full responsibility. This is usually how I frame it. I take full responsibility for being disrespectful to my spouse when he wanted respect. I take full responsibility for how I treated him in my moments when I was angry with him and wanted to get him back. I take full responsibility for saying unkind things when kindness would have served better. I take responsibility for that. I take responsibility for hurting his feelings. Four, recognize and accept that the only person over whom you have ultimate control is yourself. Now, you may try as you wish, but you will not change your spouse or former spouse. Resilience demands you to work on and heal yourself. Number six, monitor your thoughts and your words. Oh, wait, we missed number five. Wait, miss. Oh, you did. Wait, we missed number five. I tell you. <laughs> oh, you're really listening well. <laughs> yeah, I totally skipped five, so let me go back. Five, ask yourself an important question every single time you get emotionally charged. And here's the question. What is going on inside of me that's bringing up these emotionally charged feelings? What's going on inside of me? Now, typically what we do is, what's wrong with him or her? What's, what's their problem? <laughs> you know, what, they're so messed up. Why are they like that? Yeah, you can do that, but it's so um, useless, may I say directly. But if you ask what's going on inside of me and ask yourself that question, the answer will come. And then you can powerfully deal with what you're feeling rather than feeling being the victim of someone else's behavior towards you and then knowing and then experiencing that you can't do anything about that. Because you can't. It's really about you. What's going on inside of you? Number six. Now we're ready for six, yes? Monitor your thoughts. Okay. (laughs) Monitor your thoughts and your words. Thoughts plus words are a creative power. If your life is not what you desire it to be, if what's going down in your situation is not what you want to happen, take a good look at what you're thinking and what you're focused on in your thoughts and then what comes out of your mouth. If you're constantly thinking that your ex is a jerk, Guess what? She or he will show up as a jerk every single time you encounter him or her. I would invite you to think, regardless of the evidence that we all have against our spouses, right? We can we can give pages of evidence of how they were just a jerk. Despite that, I would invite you to think of him or her as something else, like when you first met, like what was that like? Like go back to that if you have to. Go deep, go way in the past and pull out something that will change your thoughts about that person that you're dealing with. And then your words words must follow that. Number seven, forgive others by not taking personally what has been done to you and forgive yourself for what you have done to your spouse or to others. This is a regular daily lifelong practice. 
you can't wait till you feel it to forgive. Because if you do that, you'll be waiting a long, long time. Instead, make a choice to forgive what has happened. Number, or what has been done to you. Number eight, the last. And I really think this is the most difficult, but has the greatest benefit. And it's this. Admit you are hurt when you are hurt and let the person who hurt you know this while you take full responsibility for your reaction or response to the hurt. Now, let me give you a quote by this amazing doctor who wrote this book, Emotional Resilience, Simple Truths for Dealing with the Unfinished Business of Your Past. This is a quote. When you refuse to look at what hurts you, you get in its way and you live with anxiety, stress, and depression. Self-doubt and worry become your companions. You already possess this natural healing power. In a sense, it is yours to lose. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but it's hard. It was hard for me to admit I was hurt when I was hurt. And I'll give you an example. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, my former spouse and I had an agreement that the children would go he, to his house for Christmas one year, and then the following year, naturally, they would come to my house, right? And what happened was uh, we were in this argument, the two of us were in this argument about, well, the kids are not going to go back and forth. They're going to come to my house. That would be his house this year because uh, for Christmas and go to my former spouse's house rather than my house. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You had them for Thanksgiving. It's my turn to have the kids at my house for Christmas. And he was like, no, 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 no. They're coming to my house. That's the end of it. So we went back and forth naturally, right? It was a big, fat fight. Uh, you know, I'm sure all of you all get it. It was a fight. I and the, and the attorneys got involved, right? So we're now wasting money fighting over where the kids are supposed to go for Christmas. In order to end the fight, I decided to ask my children one day, like, where would you, what would be your ideal Christmas? What would work for you? And while we were driving casually, casually in the car, I said, hey, well, you know, what, what, where would you like to, what would you like to do for Christmas? And they said, well, Mommy, we would really like to be at Daddy's house which is where they were raised. We like to be at daddy's house for Christmas and you can come over for breakfast. I'm like, did I really hear what they just said in my mind? Yeah, you can go for Christmas for breakfast and we'll open the gifts together, yada, yada, yada. And, I, and then I asked all four of them and all four agreed. Yeah, that's what we want to do. Now, when I tell you that I wanted to burst out in tears, that's an understatement. I was so hurt by that. We got home, we went, everyone went into their individual room, and I went to the bathroom and cried. Because then I would have to go with what they wanted, because it really was all about them. So I called my former spouse, and I let him know that the children have spoken, and they are planning to have Christmas 
at your house and I would come over for breakfast. I am, while I honor what they're saying, what they want, I am so hurt behind that. We had Christmas together and it was fantastic. And I think one of the reasons that it was fantastic, we got along well, we opened gifts, we laughed, we took pictures, we did video, because somebody has to be willing to say, this, this is, you know, be open about it and be willing to say, this really hurts me, but I'm willing to do what's best or what's right or what's appropriate or you fill in the blank. That was very difficult, let me tell you, but it was so liberating and so freeing and such an essential part or component of resilience. Okay, I think I said enough. Those are my eight considerations to cultivate resilience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Pamela. Now, it's what a beautiful list to be able to share and um hope you're going to give me the opportunity to come back and circle around to a couple of them um that I'd like to flesh out even more. And, you know, the things that you just talked about in here and being able to cultivate these eight things and the things on that list that you've just described, you know, the one word that kept coming back up for me again and again, and maybe I've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown, right, is vulnerability, <laughs> right, to be right, in all of these, right, to we, I think, walk around having no idea how many, how much we hold up a, sh a, sh a shield and a sword in protection of ourselves in places that we're completely unaware of. And mm -hmm. in each of these eight practices that you just described, there was an element of pull off the metal mask or pull mm -hmm. down the shield and stand, you know, in front of yourself and stand in front of your former spouse, your current, you know, spouse, if that's the situation, and in front of their own mirror and look honestly mm -hmm. at yourself in the situation and how scary that can be. And only like as you've described, being able to see from the other side that it's the only thing that can enable us to really experience a sense of liberation and freedom. Oh, I love the way you frame that, Adina. And I thank you for bringing up Brene Brown and the word vulnerability. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a spin on that word for the sake of the men on the call. I'm gonna use the word open-hearted in place of mm. vulnerability. Open-hearted, being willing to be true about who you are, what you feel, what you're dealing with, what's going on inside is an expression of being open-hearted. It's a, the ability to tell the truth about who you are, which is also wrapped in the word courage. And Brene Brown is the one that does this. Dr. Brene Brown does this fantastically. So this is not something I'm coming up with. This is, I'm repeating her, that courage is to tell the story of who you are. And you're absolutely right. Adina, how we go around with the mask on, I'm not hurt, I'm not upset, I'm not troubled, I'm not bothered, you didn't hurt me. And that is not courageous. That is really cowardice. And I would really encourage all the listeners to take on 
open-heartedness and see how it leads you into a beautiful feeling, peace, calm, insight, creativity. I mean, these are all the gifts of being open-hearted. You will even have a different dynamic with your former spouse in negotiations over your divorce if you're willing to face the fear of being open-hearted. And, and let me just throw out an example really quick. Um, what I did not want was for my children to go from home to home. I did not want that, but that was how the legal custody went down. They would spend one week with me, they'd pack up their stuff, and they'll spend another week with their father, only to pack up and come back to my house. All along, I really wanted them to be in one home and that the father and I would go back and forth. That just seemed to be the right thing to do. From practicing resilience and being open-hearted in communication with him, a year and a, two years later from our divorce, we entered into an agreement where I would be in the marital home from Monday to Thursday taking care of the kids while he traveled. And when he would return on Friday, I would leave and go to my house. So the weekends were my, are mine. During the week, I'm with the kids in the marital home. That's an arrangement that may be familiar to some of you all called nesting. And we did that without a legal agreement. Our legal agreement is, you know, seven days with me, seven days with him. That's what's on paper. But we agreed verbally, a handshake, let's do this arrangement. That has worked out very, very well for the children. That's not possible without there being at least one person willing to be open-hearted, willing to practice resilience, willing to be. And that's why I'm going to go back to the definition of resilience. I said it's a, it, it's a being, not a doing. Someone willing to be resilient. That has made the whole dynamic between us from one of contention to one of calm and peace between us to, to the extent that it can be. I would invite everyone to try on wholeheartedness <laughs> and just see the benefits for yourself and for your family and for your future. So I want to take, you know, what you're describing here and this concept of open-heartedness and this stepping toward, and as you've described, it it wasn't always so easy to do, right? When you started this journey, your heart was not super open <laughs> in these oh, no. kinds of ways. It can start out really, really differently. So mm-hmm. I would, I think it would be a valuable thing to understand how do we get from the place where the last thing in the world that we can imagine doing is being open hearted toward someone that we've been arguing with or that we feel has made us feel badly or that, you know, there's been contention or mistrust or all those things. What's the journey of getting from a place where you not don't feel a sense of openness to having the resilience of being able to do that? How do you get from one place to the other? Yeah, that's a great question. I just and asked it, you the $64,000 question, you know, $64,000 question, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It's so simple that it's going to, it's that, that many people miss it. 
So it's really, really simple. And it begins with a choice. It, that's really, now we can complicate this, right? We can do years of therapy over this, but really, mm-hmm. it comes down to a choice. And here's the choice. The choice is, I want or I choose to have a better relationship with my, sp- my former spouse. I choose to have something better than what I'm currently experiencing. Once you make the choice, despite how you feel, I mean, I get it, like, I wasn't feeling any love, let's call it, towards my former spouse. If anything, I wanted him to walk down the street, accidentally fall into a ditch, and then nobody discovered his body. That's what I wanted. However, I knew that what I was experiencing, the anxiety, the fighting, the nasty text messages going back and forth, and the kids, like, on the bathroom, they're on their own bathroom floor crying. All that stuff was like, there's got to be something better here. We we just got to have something better. I cannot live like this, neither can they. I choose something better. Once you choose then something magical in the universe happens. And the stars align such that you start getting books that help you make this journey of open-heartedness. You run into conversations with people about being open-hearted or resilient. You stumble across a sign, you know, on the, on the, on the freeway that, mention something about you can have a better this or that. I'm telling you, things start happening once you make the choice. And you're, the, the, the important thing is to recognize that there are, there are signs or directions or landmarks that say this is the way to go on the path towards open-heartedness, on the path towards resilience. But if you don't choose it, this is not going to happen. You're not going to see it and you'll, you'll likely be stuck. Wherever you are, you'll likely not see the possibility of something better or greater for yourself. So start with the choice. And then let... And Pamela, I love that you... Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I love that you said that it starts with the choice. And, you know, just to give an example of everyday life to prove actually the science of what you've just said, that when you choose the world and the universe conspires toward that is, you know, I was just sharing this story recently that I'm not very into cars. And I remember when a friend of mine got her Mini Cooper and I had never seen a Mini Cooper. I'd never heard of a Mini Cooper before. It wasn't something, I mean, this was years ago. And then we were driving with them somewhere. They also had a minivan. We're in the minivan, like there's eight of us. And they have this little game where they pick out and count how many Mini Coopers they would pass along the way. And I'd never seen one, and I can't believe the obsession, whatever. Well, don't you know, so we spent an hour counting Mini Coopers, and then I see Mini Coopers everywhere. And I'm like, I can't believe, like, did the world just, I mean, it literally felt like the world suddenly opened up and everyone was now driving a Mini Cooper and like, did this just happen overnight, right? Right, (laughs) And there is this thing, right? I mean, it's it's crazy, but there is this thing that our mind, our brain actually is processing 70,000 thoughts a day. So we're not Mm -hmm. conscious of most of them. As -hmm. soon as we turn our attention towards something like Mini Coopers, suddenly they start showing up 
everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, like what you're just describing, if we choose open-heartedness and we choose perhaps a sense of gratitude, is there even one or two things I could feel grateful for or appreciative about myself? And like if I choose open-heartedness, it's suddenly open-heartedness signs toward it, you know, openings for it will start to appear just as you've described everywhere around you because that's the neuroscience that's behind it as well. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I, for those who are listening and still a, a bit hesitant about that, I would just invite you to take a look at the science behind, you know, the thoughts and, and giving our attention to something uh, and, and read for yourself that there is, you know, a lot to support this, this, uh, this concept. I also want to key in on the word that we keep using, choice. And I'm using choice. I'm not using decide because decide kills off, you know, like side, the I-D-E, that is indicative of killing off something. We're not, we don't want to kill off anything. We want to choose, which means we invite all kinds of possibilities into our lives by making a choice for something that we desire or that we want. I just wanted to put a little spin on that uh, choice. It's intentionally used. Perfect. So if we were to name some practices, maybe tangible day-to-day practices that would help people to begin to build those resilience muscles that we, uh, you know, want to cultivate or begin the, you know, like it's a muscle, right? You know, the more we use it, the easier it becomes to use it, the stronger it gets. If there were day-to-day practices that you could share with people, what helps us to build that muscle? Yeah, that's great. Four. Four practices. Okay. Body or physical. And these are the practices that I did on a regular basis and still do to this day. One, so the body or or the physical exercise or yoga or running, some physical activity that can relieve stress and calm you down is something that you want to cultivate on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to be an hour or hour and a half. You know, for me, it was like, I don't want to mess up my hair. So I, can't, I can't be running, you know, all day long or for two hours or something. I need something quick and to, to the point where, you know, it feels good, but I don't have to worry about doing my hair afterwards. So I do um, exercise. <laughs> I do the treadmill. I go to the gym several days a week. 5 a.m. I'm at the gym and just relieving the stress as well as taking care of my physical body. Two is the heart or emotional that I would say. It's to deal head on and truthfully with what's bothering you. So for me, what I had to do is sort of the, the energy, the E in emotion, you know, energy in motion. If we keep the energy blocked inside of us, that is a nice, in, you know, uh, opening to disease and, and all kinds of stress. So for me, I got the energy in motion, what I was dealing with, what I was feeling, what I was hurting over, and I would journal and blog. And that, from that came my book, writing and writing and writing to uncover what I was feeling and get it out of burning up my soul, burning up my heart and put that on paper. For others, it could be something else, whatever that practice is where you can, 
dispense, get out of you the emotions that are that might be confining you and, and holding you back or keeping you stuck. So you need to practice in that respect. Third is the soul, or what I like to call spiritual, which is service to others or meditation or prayer, whatever works for you to connect to something higher than yourself. For me, I learned transcendental meditation. I actually flew to Fairfield, Iowa, which is the Mecca of Transcendental Meditation, took a four-day course and learned how to meditate the transcendental way. That practice, which I do twice a day for 20 minutes, twice a day, was profoundly, profoundly transformative. And the self-confidence that I have, that I gained in dealing with my life stresses and my ex-spouse and so forth profoundly, deep well of creativity I tapped into, trusting, learning to trust myself and my gut and, and it proving out to be the right decision was part of meditating on a regular basis. So whatever works for you to connect to something greater than yourself, that's number three. Number four is the mind or what I call financial. Now, if you want to go crazy, <laughs> Then just, you know, not know what you not know what you're gonna do financially, not know how you're gonna survive, where the money's gonna come from. And you know, divorce has a lot of lot to do with liabilities and assets and finances. And many of us um look back and recognize we could have put our kids to college had we not gone through such difficult expensive divorces. But financial team up with a financial planner who can guide you to financial independence or freedom. That means whatever that means for you, watch YouTube videos on financial success or growth, read books, attend conferences, join meetup groups, take classes. For me, I got with a financial planner who helped because I couldn't stand dealing with finances. I mean, when my ex-husband would say, let's sit down with the numbers, all I wanted to do was run. But in that running, I put my own self in a hole of not knowing what was going on financially. But now, as part of the practice, I do know. And my financial advisor is extremely, extremely helpful in showing me the path to financial success and financial independence. Every morning, I'm looking at some YouTube video for 10 minutes on financial success or how to be wealthy or, you know, what, the way millionaires think, the secrets of the millionaire mind and so forth. So that works for me. So that, those are the four practices that I do on a daily basis in order to stay in the place of resilience and, and in order to create the life that I now live that I absolutely love. How's that? That was powerful. That was wonderful. <laughs> Really giving a really absolutely thinking about how do I go from taking one life and transforming it into something else, which, you know, is the benefit of cultivating resilience is being able to, you know, be at the helm and create that life that you want. And that was a very, that was, thank you for that gift. Thank you for that gift. Sure. Sure. So, um, as we're coming close to the close, we have a couple of minutes, literally just a couple. I feel like I'm on a WHYY. Okay, we've got to make it about 60 <laughs> seconds, 90 seconds. Yeah. Tell us something about Muddy High Heels <laughs> um, and, you know, what people can find in, in that book. 
Yeah, so money high heels is for the men again. Uh, you might be wanting to, you might want to tune out right now because you don't wear high heel shoes. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to stay with me. Muddy High Hills is really the truth about what holds us back from being our greatest selves in relationship with others as well as in relationship with ourselves. I just went out on a limb and put my stuff out there. Here's what's been holding me back, being afraid. One of the lessons in the book is face your fears, which I go into detail about. Another is wants matter and talking about the stories. Each lesson it begins with a story, personal story, that from which a lesson came. And then following that lesson is uh, the application of the lesson, which are what experts say. And then following that are uh, pages for you to journal your own aha moment. But um, you mentioned one earlier. You were, Adina, when we first started the conversation, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Another is never, ever relinquish your economic power. Don't wake and run. Lesson 11, don't wake and run. Wake and wait. Uh, Lesson 12, love is not enough. Adoration is. So those are some of the titles of the lessons, stories from that lesson you'll read about. And then uh, you'll come to your own, oh, my goodness, this, this is similar to what I've been dealing with. This is what's been in the way of me being honest and open and truthful with myself and with others from really feeling self-confident, feeling good enough for love and happiness and joy and financial success. If you want to get unstuck, read the lessons. Then apply the lessons and then move on with the life of your creation. Thank you. That I mean, so what a gift. What a gift. And so we really encourage people. You can find it on Amazon if you want to go and Google it in a moment after we conclude the call and um, look it up. You can find Muddy High Heels, 14 Lessons uh, Learned Through My Break down, my breakup, breakdown, and breakthrough, and Lane, Pamela and Lane Nichols. So we invite people to take a look at that. And Pamela, if people, you know, one of the things that has been so powerful about what you've done post-divorce is you've opened up and created community that says you don't need to go through this alone. You don't need to go through the Mm -hmm. divorce alone. You don't need Mm -hmm. to go through post-divorce alone. And the truth is we're not really designed as human beings to go through alone. We really are designed to be in community. And so if people wanted to learn more about you and the work that you do and the ways that you offer support, how would they do that? Yeah, thank you for that. You certainly can go to my website, and the easiest uh, URL is connected to the book. It's my, M-Y, MuddyHighHeels.com, MyMuddyHighHeels.com. If you go there and you fill out some of the information, I'll also send you some links to uh, a video that I did on resilience, um, getting through, bouncing back. I did that on public television can send you the link to that as well as send me a note and I will respond to it. You can connect with me that way. I do resilience coaching. If you're, if you're interested in being coached to this, through this, then send me a little note. If you go on the website, you'll see where you can go to the contact page, put that information in, and I will reply to that. I would love to hear from you all. 
and just to know how you're progressing, what you need, what's working, what's not working, to connect you to resources that might help you, connect you back to mainline family law, you know, whatever it is that I might be able to support you in, I would like to do that because, as as you said, Adina, you are not alone. It may feel like it, but that's really just a lie. You are not alone. Thank you. And that is great ways to reach out to um, find you, Pam. And to find the Mainline Family Law Center, if mediation is something you want to explore further, is myhealthydivorce.com. And two other resources is Divorce and Relationship Coaching is available through Divorce Essentials at divorceessentialswithans.net, as well as a program, a multimedia program called the Divorce Companion, which you saw some information about when you registered for this call. You will see when you get follow-up emails that really is designed for people who may be contemplating divorce just beginning to really help be that support, that companion for you to help guide the path. And so that's a resource you can find out about through Mainline Family Law Center or through the divorcecompanion.com, no the, just divorcecompanion.com or divorceessentials.net. We thank you for joining us. hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Divorce Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me, Sharon Pastore, or my partner, Chris Pastore, at MyHealthyDivorce.com. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters.